welcome back to, I guess it's Mike and Matt's excellent adventure somehow, but it's kind of just the real world podcasting uh, because like poetry, it rhymes as we are bringing our full-time podcasting to an end with what got it started as Mike and I will be talking about X-Men 1 today, but some stuff to explain. But first, Mike, how are you doing? Hey, Matt, I'm doing very, very well. I'm delighted to talk about X-Men in the 2023-24 NBA season. Just before we started, I was frantically skipping through minutes of the Boston-Detroit game to see if the streak finally came to an end. It's so painful. I, By sheer accident, I've attended two Detroit Piston games this year, which I don't <laughs> recommend to anybody. But no. I'm being actually being kind of mean because... The Detroit Pistons are such a weird team. There's no reason they should be on this huge street. No, they're not, they're they not tr- rebuilding. They have a real coach. They have real players. They have veterans on the team. Like, like they try hard. They yeah. have talent. Yeah. The rotations are not perfect, but they're not awful. No, there's, there's, there's no like, real logical explanation for and it. And like, and everyone, it, it's so confusing that people are saying all these stupid things like, well, you know what, they need some veterans. So they got to clear out Bogdanovich. I'm just like, no, these two things are, these are contradictory things. Yeah, they got Joe Harris, they've got Alec Burks on the bench. Like, yeah, I don't understand it. Uh, this is our NBA podcast. <laughs> and Cade is doing very well, well, despite what the haters may have you think. Like, Cade's really good. Cade's I, a great player. Bogdanovich is a good player. I, 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 yeah. Isaiah Stewart, Durant. Ivy yeah. wasn't playing enough. He's playing more now. I don't understand it, but now every team does not want to be the team that loses. And yep. <laughs> every single game is game seven of the two th- of the NBA finals for the Droid Pistons. Yeah. And yeah. the NBA is having a lot of good luck this year because they went yeah. from the in-season tournament, huge success, to the mm-hmm. Detroit Pistons. And yeah. that's going to carry us to the All-Star break. Title favorites Boston needing an overtime to defeat. Not a great look. Well, uh, that's why you get Porzingis, so you can beat Detroit in December. Yeah. <laughs> that age-old expression, you know? Shout out to whoever tweeted that that I just stole that joke from. I don't uh, remember. Uh, you could have gotten away with it. Never mind. Um, X-Men 2000. <laughs> I'm going to go into a lot more detail at the end about what's happening with podcasting, but like, yes, we are bringing it kind of to an end on Into the Real World. And as somebody who co-hosts a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast (laughs) over the last couple of years, that sure didn't help me feel good about podcasting with how the MCU has gone lately. But you know when Marvel films were definitely good? It was the year 2000. (laughs) And And it's when X-Men came out. And Matthew, I watched this film again this week for the first time, possibly since we recorded the podcast in 2015, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Is it 2015 or 2016? 16. And that comes off the, you know, the heels of watching it dozens and dozens of times as a kid. Like this was an important movie for me. I was like reflecting on it today. Like, you know, this was the first movie where I think I, as an 11 year old was processing, there is a difference between well-made movies and poorly made movies. Like Mm -hmm. it is much more fun to watch Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart act than to watch, I don't know, Matthew Broderick in Inspector Gadget. Like 11 year old me understood this, that this was a better made movie. I didn't understand that the color choices and the tone and the editing, I didn't understand what any of that was, but I understood Mm -hmm. that this was at a higher quality than what I was being fed as a kid. Mm-hmm. And for me, for it's always going to be important for me for that reason. And lo and behold, at age fucking 34, in wow. 2023, seven to eight years later since I last watched it, my tastes have evolved dramatically since then as I have recovered my sense of 
itself. Yeah. This is a well-made fucking movie. It I, is. <laughs> it's a really well-made fucking movie. Now, it helps that it's coming off some really bad years for, for comic book movies. But this yeah. isn't just like a good comic book movie. This is a good movie. And no one really can tell me otherwise. And I accept that it's a part of my childhood and there's always going to be some emotional connection that makes it better for me than it does for others. But I don't think I could let anyone convince me this is not a well-made movie. No, I, I, I think that from what little memory of, of real time, the year 2000 rattles around in my brain, I do distinctly remember like quote unquote normal people like, being like, oh yeah, this X-Men film's really fucking good. Like it it caught people's attention from the trailers, from release. Like, like I agree. And like similar to you, I haven't watched it since we reviewed it. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, right, we're recording in a few hours. I should throw this on. I'm gonna do some other work in the background while it's on. I don't need to like study it in depth. I know the beats of this movie. And I found myself just staring at the thing and like making notes and making notes and making notes. And it's very good like a very different time for sure i mean a very different time and there's lots of different things to point to um about it but there's some like fundamentals Mm -hmm. that did not just exist with this film but existed with movies in general like um yeah Yeah. i I was thinking the same and and i'm I'm hoping you're going to be able to articulate this better than i am but like there was something in my brain where i'm like forget comic book movies just the way movies were made in like the 90s and the early 2000s like this isn't here anymore in like any type of film. Like we have these extremes now where it's giant and artificial and garbage looking, or it is art house and cool. And like there there is no in between where it is both big and good. It's very, it's very rare. They're very few and far between. And I think it kind of gets to something I've been talking about with a few friends. You and I have been talking about this over the Mm. years. And that is just that, you take your average film from the 90s yep. and for some reason, like clear and present danger, the <laughs> Harrison Ford movie looks yeah. a billion times better than 99% of what comes out in yeah. 2023. And then you, there's that next level to it, which is where you hit films like this. And even Spider-Man, uh, uh-huh. the first, first two Spider-Man, which we have, we're much lower on, I would say, than the average person. But something uh-huh. we've always... Ma- I think I've had a full-on Spider-Man 2 as a masterpiece, like Renaissance, and oh since God. we recorded a review on it, but yeah. well, too bad we don't have time to record that. <laughs> re-record that podcast too. We're doing them all. We're doing <laughs> them all again. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Really helps movies when you have a talented person directing them. Yeah. And despite the fact that, unbeknownst to us, an alleged child rapist with many credible cases against him was making these movies, tragically, he was a very talented filmmaker all the while and these films oh it's the first one the second one and then what i don't know seven uh, and eight days. seven and eight like i don't know what, what the numbers days of future in. past for yeah. sure I and then an apocalypse he did, he he did, did apocalypse, apocalypse. Too. and you can just tell with the craft of making the movies mm-hmm. there is just something at a higher level here than what you don't get than ant-man and quantum mania i haven't even watched that yet i just can look at it and tell something's off here and I would actually even point less to Marvel and more to Disney Star Wars movies, mm. which just feel so incredibly fucking fake looking. Like the difference between like Andor and like the Mandalorian and Obi-Wan and all that shit. Like you can, you, I'm not saying Andor is like the best looking thing you've ever seen, but like but it is markedly it's better made. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And, and again, they have Tony Gilroy. Now, Tony Gilroy, probably in terms of quality, I think actually he's a really good comparison to Singer, which is that you have someone who knows what they're doing, has a clear point of view, has a clear visual style, can at least maybe hire talented people to edit and uh, do a DP work for it. And it just looks better. Mm-hmm. And that is so far gone from so many fucking films now yeah. that I could not help be almost overwhelmed. Like, God, what a, a competent movie. And there were so many things like that in this movie. It starts with the, like the director, but it manifests itself in so many different ways. Yeah. And, it, and it's not, it's not just VFX. I'm like the VFX. I do think for the most part do hold up shockingly well. Um, there are a couple that are a little bit like, mm. but it, it it's lighting. I mean, I know you and yep. I big sticklers for lighting. Um, it's blocking it, it's physical locations. It's yep. sense of geography. It's all of this stuff. And like, it's weird because so much of it is at nighttime, like in a way that but I you can really... see the entire I... fucking movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Like, oh, I don't know why only Michael Mann can fucking shoot digitally at night and went away that you can see the fucking movie, but it's only him. But yeah. he was able to do it 19 fucking years ago in collateral. And I don't understand why nobody else can do it since. It's one of those things where digital is like it shouldn't be a negative. It should mm-hmm. be something that enhances the filmmaking process, but has become a crutch. In so many ways. And it's not even just that. There was really lots of things about this movie that stood out to me. I'll actually even start with something that is mildly negative, which is that the pacing was jarring. Like this movie moves at a clip. Like they are going from scene to scene to scene to scene. I would call that a positive, actually. Like this, this thing is sub two hours in and out. I think there are pockets of character development and like very quick world building. Um, 100%. I, I mean, I even, I'm just like even framing it as a potential negative. I, I'm agree, I'm with you. I don't see it as a negative, but I can see someone being like, okay, this is like moving at a weird pace, but it sure. doesn't feel, it feels like a pace almost completely wholly appropriate for the story they're telling. Yeah. I think they know they're making, you know, a popcorn movie, but like, yes. let's make it really well. Yes. So like it can't drag, it can't overstay its welcome. We cannot take too long to like. I I think some like really, they had to make some difficult choices in the script in terms yep. of like which characters get to be the characters. Yeah, and it's like it, it's it's a big four. It's the pairing of Charles and Eric, or Xavier and, and yeah. Magneto, and it's Logan and it's Rogue. Yeah, every and then you have like that second level, which is like Mystique and Iceman, and the Senator, and Gene. So, Sorry, and Gene. And then everybody else is kind of just sort of set dressing. And like, you know, if you're a fan of Cyclops, if you're a fan of Storm, they don't really get much to do here. But like, yeah, that is all serving a greater good of a movie that moves quickly and works well. And and like, it is an actor-driven movie, and they got four real-ass actors, <laughs> and like, like, off you go. And it feels really easy to just say, you have to go get Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, who are the two? But this is something that's been used throughout time in big budget movies. Like, George Lucas had two choices for Obi-Wan. He had the most respected actor, the lead of Akira Kurosawa's films, and then Alec Mm -hmm. Guinness. Like, he wasn't (laughs) going for, I don't know, uh, Clint Howard, whoever the equivalent of Clint fucking Howard was at the time. You want those actors with gravitas. That's why Nolan went and got Morgan Freeman. 
for yeah. uh, the Batman movies. It's yeah. a, such a shortcut to make your movie seem more serious. Yep. And there's so many things like this and, uh, that make it just feel like a movie that a point I'm going to keep coming back to is this movie feels like it was made by adults with adults for adults. Yeah. And there's access point for children. I mean, I certainly had access points. Uh, <laughs> whereas movies that are based on comic books now, largely speak, especially superhero comic books now, feel mm-hmm. like they are made for adults who never grew up. <laughs> and the differences are jarring in so many ways. One of the first ones that stands out to me, and I am definitely not the first person to bring this up, but just their physical bodies. Like Hugh Jackman, looks like a fucking human being in this movie oh don't it makes me so sad to like i mean you see this go around twitter once every like six months or something you see the shot of him shirtless in the corridor and he just looks like a dude and like i think of what he did to himself for some of these sequels and like you know and he, what he's still doing to himself yeah. by the looks of it for next year yeah i mean it's so sad and depressing yeah, like yeah. now my only devil's advocate with wolverine and only wolverine is that it almost makes sense that a person with a mutant healing ability would just keep working out because that's essentially what steroids do, right? But it is so much better. The movie is so much better for him looking like a human being. Yeah, It is so much better. It reminds me, uh, I mean, God, hopefully no one who's serious listens to this, but it's like when you watch an action movie from the 70s or like essentially an action movie. And like, you know, it's like Robert Redford getting into a fight and his shirt comes off at one point and he just looks like a human being. Maybe like he's felt, it doesn't even look like he works out. And Hugh Jackman barely looks like he worked out. And I know he didn't even have time to work out here, but that's, that was to the benefit of the movie. Yeah. And like Clint Eastwood was always just like a guy. Yeah. They're tall, but like none of them are like fucking ripped, bro. Right. All of that is like. Or me- like you see Hugh Jackman on the cover of like a men's health magazine and he's fucking like shirtless and all veins, hasn't drunk water in three weeks. I mean, you see him on the front cover of like a women's magazine, he's like in a nice sweater, like, <laughs> just like looking like a nice, respectable man. Yeah, it's it's grim the way it went. And uh, like, yeah, he just he just looks like a guy and like why shouldn't he he's got like a fucking metal skeleton and claws yeah. and he heals from everything he doesn't need to be fucking exactly I, um, it's it's one of the biggest things to me about this one where i'm just like god he just it yeah. didn't have to go in the way the direction it went in like nah. you can maybe say uh x2 was a fine compromise like he's a little bit bigger there but it's not cartoonish yeah i do think like to a degree he's super into it like he challenged himself to to do sure. it but it's also like ah, someone should have talked you out of this <laughs> like, yeah it, um, it just wasn't needed and i it just makes me sad and it's yeah. not even i don't even put this on jackman himself because it's such a bigger thing oh yeah, uh, yeah. and it's about so many other people and the system rewarding it and also, like, even if you wanted to defend it by being like, this was like, you know, a part of the 80s action star, like, that was its own thing. Sylvester, like, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, they are not Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger without the steroids. They yeah. are, the bulk was a part of their action star persona. Yeah. It's really not for Hugh Jackman. <laughs> No, it's a, like he's one of the go-to names for like getting like Jackman huge, and it's like yeah, but look at like all of his other roles. Yeah, he's also like a song and dance man. Yeah, like exactly. he's literally 
Like this isn't a defining part of his public persona of his of his acting persona. Like it's just for this role and it wasn't needed. Speaking of the humanity here and shades of negative characteristics, how dare they have adult characters with negative characteristics? The characters are horny in this movie. They're not beautiful and like dancing and like having romantic dances. Logan is fucking horny for Jean Grey right from the jump. It's yes. creepy. It's it predator. It's predatory. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, but in it's some good. Way, it's fun to watch though. Like it's like, what? It's compelling. God, does it not resemble so many fucking actual human beings in real life? <laughs> and the complicated reaction Jean Grey has to it also represents so much of how real human beings have reacted to such situations in, in their lives. And, and and like Scott, like I, f- I feel like he gets like two yes! moments in this movie. Uh, they they do the thing where he they get to have it both ways, where he gets to say the mature thing of like, yep, yep. if I had to say stay away from her, she wouldn't be my girl. But then he does say it. And then the other one is like when Charles is the, the customary, you have to take Xavier off the board. Yeah. He has that moment where he's like by his bedside. The rest of this movie, he's just scowling and just giving people. Yeah. But like the friction between the three of them is is really fun to watch. I I think that relationship gets way out of hand when oh, you yeah. try to carry it across like five, six movies and you're doing weird shit with him, like meeting her as a child and, and all this nonsense. But yeah, here fucking works. And um, yeah. Yeah, like you've got these horny, like Rogue is infatuated with this older man that saved her. Yeah. You've got fucking <laughs> Ice she, Man. She discovers her powers from being horny. Yeah. I. Yeah. Well, the whole thing was always on some level, like, a, like a, you know, your body is changing kind of. Thing. Right. <laughs> and that is so indebted to it. And I feel that would be completely missing from the new one whenever that fucking comes out. And it doesn't have yeah. to be like, we don't need like, the characters don't need to be having rampant sex on screen. That's not like no. necessarily what makes the most sense. Well, this is what but, gets lost in this infuriating debate about like necessary sex scenes and stuff. It's like, it doesn't matter if like you see them fuck, like you should know that they have human impulses. Yes, and they feel. yes exactly. And that stood out to me so yeah. much. And it just speaks to the fact like it feels like these, this movie is about adults. It feels mm-hmm. like these characters are either well characterized like in the big four yeah. or get teased at least enough where yeah. you can see that there's more there yeah. and with scott and gene in particular you feel like okay i somewhere beneath the surface there's more there's a human being there we don't yeah. get the full picture here i i think that's another thing they do really well is like you know it moves with pace it, it adheres to a structure of like throwing an action scene every however many minutes but they do nicely seed the future without it being so clearly like you know easter eggy nonsense like hinting around that there is more to what Jean can do and like logan is pushing her to try to do more and like scott doesn't approve and like you know that is on the table right. and, and all of that kind of stuff and then you know obviously like logan going off to try and find who he is and yeah it's an insular movie it's an insular yeah. movie like it yeah. exists on its own and the thing is i was actually even hunting for easter eggs at one point to make a point about this be like okay they must have done something and they almost really kind of did it like even when you think uh that line about from senator kelly there's even rumors of uh, people who can walk through walls i'm thinking yeah. oh okay yeah that's a reference to the next movie like oh shit no kitty's actually in this movie that's a reference to the yeah. movie we're actually watching yeah even yeah. like that was jarring like in my head i was like oh yeah someone on tv like that says mm-hmm. like Hank McCoy and Sebastian Shaw. Like, no, that's actually that's from X2. So, like, even yeah. 
this movie is so insular compared to what comes. And I do think there is room to tease things. And I think they tease things in X2 probably appropriately. But man, it was pretty refreshing to realize this movie is just about this movie. I think you've got to make your thing as if it's the last opportunity you're going to get yep. to make it, but you, yep. you build in space to play with things going forward. So, like, yep. it's not like if there's never an X2, this movie is, like, bad for teasing, like, oh, there's a facility you should go in. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, off he went to have that adventure. Like, everything within this movie is resolved, and, 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 and like, they bookend it. Like, like yep. you start with Charles and Magneto talking at the start, yep. and you end with them fucking playing chess in his goddamn plastic prison, which rules. It's just really smart. Like, it's an old... I don't want to call it old school. Like, it's, it's fucking It's a movie! It's a it's movie a about movie. adults sitting in chairs and talking to each other. I, I Don't worry, everybody. When Matt said action scenes before, we both simultaneously did air quotes. We know. We get it. it the action? Yeah, yeah. Not great. Yeah, yeah but if I if I'm doing but, criticisms, so yeah, like while the effects hold up, some of the action is very stilted because of like limitations yeah. of the time. But like it all works, and like yeah, yeah it works. Obviously, X two is improves upon that, and like you yeah. get more of that stuff. And but like as a like first try at this, like so so good, really and working to be with clear, what is available. Like I, I see the fact that this is a movie about a movie about adults sitting in chairs and talking as a positive oh same same yeah yeah that's why i, I wish they would now that it's all moving to tv i'm like okay if it's television they need to talk <laughs> yeah like people need to have conversations and feelings and motivations and you, you keep talking about it being about adults i think one of the strengths of these first two in particular is they really establish we have the school and we have yep. the x-men and like yep. and like i think they do a really really good job with the balance there of like rogue and Iceman have their like five to ten minutes of material in there and i think the balance is kind of off in future movies where it's like it's either too much kids or not enough kids you know like yeah a key part of the x-men is they have a fucking school and i think one of the smartest decisions they made in the whole movie is mutants already a thing the x-men already operate the school is already operating we're not doing a I am discovering, you know, Rogue is discovering her powers, but like for the most part, like, you know, mutants are being debated in the Senate already. And we yeah. just kind of, we are given information and we just go with it. And yeah. it, it saves so much time. And like the, the closest you get is like Logan gets expositioned too, but they do it fucking Patrick Stewart reading narration. And you've got these really fun, clever little montages. That montage of powers. is great. Yeah. That montage like, is great. You want, if anything, it just makes you want more of it. Uh, yeah, they do give yeah. you eventually more of it in the next movie. But also, a, a key point, though, is that it's a key part of Logan's character journey. All these things mm-hmm. that eventually would be done cheaply in terms of, like, character beats. He starts off the movie lost and wandering. He ends the movie looking for something specific. Mm-hmm. And Logan has been so committed to being lost and wandering that he does need to be told. He needs to be reinvited back into the world. He does yeah. need to know what the fuck is going on. It's, you know, it's not a fucking Terrence Malick movie, but, you know, it's, that is what a, a hero's journey is, is be learning about the larger world. And I think they do it just well enough. I think they do it just well enough. It doesn't feel cheap. They get in, they get out. And one of the things you, uh, you, you've been alluding to, speaking of adults sitting and talking, is that they're sitting and talking on actual chairs, in <laughs> actual rooms. Yeah, or yeah. on actual sets. And yeah. I actually, I found an image of uh, Cerebro and you can see there's a green screen mm-hmm. in the background. They only built half of Cerebro. Yeah. 
that's all they need to build. We're not asking for them to recreate a fucking but at least make a, yeah, at least make a real chair, at least make like the and like you see effects going around now where like you have Samuel L. Jackson holding like a prop like not a prop gun, like a like crudely made to be replaced in green screen. Yeah. Like, can you not give him a fucking fake gun? Like like we've had fake guns for like a hundred years. Like compare the costumes they wear here to mm-hmm. the CGI costumes that they yeah. wear in Endgame. Like they yeah. the big white suit reveal in Endgame. Now, yeah. granted, don't get me wrong, they're much better doing digital suits now than they once were. Yeah. But you can feel the difference. You yeah. really and can feel the difference. Yeah. The costuming was like always a slightly controversial element because like yeah. there are people who who hardcore want those like corny, like like campy. And like, you know, when they replace the iconic suits with like it's all black leather, and he's like, "What do you want? Yellow spandex?" But like, I think dressing Magneto in like basic, like he has to wear the helmet for like a scene, but generally he's just wearing suits and like normal ass yeah. clothes. That probably deeply helps you get Ian McKellen to like buy in fully to this role. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing. It's not just they got these people; they got them, and they were all fucking in. And they were, I mean, you sell it on you're going to be acting across from Patrick Stewart, and you're right. going to have a lot of you know. That all works, but like even the scenes where it's like him talking to barely trained actors, like like yeah. Sabretooth and and Ray Park and all that, like he's still got all that. And I think what helps is it's like yeah, you're just gonna be playing like a guy, like yeah, like, you know, don't worry about the the VFX and you're in a physical location and everything. You mentioned Cerebro, I think like they fucking nail, like they had a clarity of what they wanted that to look like, and yeah. fucking it really fucking works. Like like the the seeing people in the ether that light up and everything and and yeah it is amazing how they took some things that my preconceived notions of from the Mm. cartoon series i didn't like have (laughs) strong feelings about and they actually managed to make them good cerebro might be like uh case point number one the school Uh itself actually might be point number two because the x mansion in the cartoon show is really just a clubhouse (laughs) <laughs> waiting for this super secret agent team to like go around the world or the universe like mm. there's no school they're not learning yeah. anything no 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 stuff like the jet emerging from underground and yeah. like using the kids to be like reacting in awe and it's like yeah that is cool isn't it <laughs> like, there's just yeah. so many shortcuts to making movies effectively yeah. that this one does that you just don't see anymore and i think just fundamentally like you know okay you can make a movie in a parking lot right now and make it seem like you're on fucking Tatooine. But just because you can, should you? And the answer is yeah. fucking no. Yeah. And you don't have to fucking go to wherever the fuck they went to in 1976 to film Star Wars. Uh, Tunisia. You don't have to fucking go to Tunisia. But you can yeah. fucking go to you can go to North New Mexico. You can yeah. fucking go to Arizona. Like, if yeah. you want to fill, film in the fucking sand. I think I, one of my, my biggest things is, like, not even, like, it has to be the place. Like you said, it doesn't have to be the place. It doesn't for me even have to be a convincing look like for me it's the sense of geography that if i wandered off the edge of the shot i know where i am versus like this is just a slice that we made in a computer like none of this is real like i i understand if we're in this room charles's office is over there and like the yes the secret x-men vault is down there and yeah the building feels real it feels like a very very real place it like tantalizingly so you want to know more you want to know more about how it works yeah and if anything that's kind of striking too it's not something that i really planned on talking about or writing about but this movie makes you want a sequel despite it not really being designed to set up a sequel necessarily no and like 
I did find myself like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna watch X Men two like tonight or tomorrow or something, right? Um, and then like stop. Yes, <laughs> but <laughs> then only sadness will occur afterwards. Yeah, I'm like seeing Cerebro, and I'm like, pretty cool when they reverse Cerebro to kill people, huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Cox fucking <laughs> taking the mansion and yeah, all that good stuff. It's better than my memory of it. I would say so. Like, I I would still say I prefer X Men Two, but like so, it's not like it's a uh, like ten versus eight. It's it's almost like a one A one B. Yeah, or, I mean X Two X Two is a more fully realized vision. I, yeah. and this is caveat being I also have not rewatched X Two since we recorded on X Two seven mm. years ago. It's yeah. a f- more fully realized vision. You have way better action scenes which i think should fundamentally be a part of an x-men movie like i yeah, don't think yeah. it needs to be literally only sitting and talking they build they take what works they yes. almost leave nothing behind that works i think i i don't think toad and saber should have been presumed dead personally mm. i know they planned out a toad nightcrawler fight it pains me that we will <laughs> never actually ever get to see that but they take what works and then they build on it almost yeah. enti- exclusively yeah and like you mentioned Sabretooth, like I, I found myself thinking like, oh yeah, he's just nothing, isn't he? And it's like, yeah, he doesn't talk, but like they give him a tiny something and it's him like stealing Logan's dog tags kind of thing. Like for him there to is... barely have any lines. And it's like, I still get who he is and what his deal is. Like Tyler Maine has a mm. physical presence. Yes. Uh, he got to do it uh, in the some corners of the internet, the beloved Rob Zombie Halloween movies. And uh-huh. I saw I saw the second one. He has uh-huh. a physical presence. They make him seem, and again, normal-looking human fucking being. Uh, yep. Besides yeah, being yeah. fucking, just, besides being fucking tall. Yeah, just big, just a big, big guy, but a guy. I really love that, like Magneto, like effortlessly, you know, like he traps him behind that metal, and like one of the yeah. smartest things, you know. I mean, I know this is sort of like built into the comics, but you know, they choose what they do and don't adapt. So I'm still giving it as a pro. Magneto and Xavier can like wipe the floor with basically everybody in this movie. And like they're just they're just like the dithering old men who are just having their talks in corridors, and it's like yeah, Magneto is like you couldn't build a villain in a lab better designed to just destroy Logan, who's like made right. of metal. Like Xavier can effortlessly just sort of like when Logan is is wandering the mansion trying to get out, and it's like Xavier is just able to just completely bypass all his like stubborn I'm a big manly man bullshit, and like the the big like confrontation at the station where magneto just has i mean that's the scene i really remember when i talk about trying to remember what it was like when this movie first came out i remember the scene of magneto like holding all the guns against the cops and how that was like everywhere and then you have like xavier like controlling his his minions and everything it's like yeah these guys could just wipe the floor with them all and like magneto effortlessly pinning them all to the inside of the statue like making it so scott would have to kill gene if he opened his eyes and the iconic line of like i thought you lived at a school and then, yeah, as I said, you do have to take Xavier off the board. It's a contractual obligation at the end of all of these movies. Like, it, It's must... really funny. It's really, really funny how they always it, have to take him off the board. Yeah, it's because he's like just too powerful. It's just really, really good. And, and to have, yeah, this villain that is just kind of waving his hands effortlessly, he's not, you know, they don't, <laughs> there's no need for like an extended we got a stunt actor who looks a bit like Ian McKellen to do fight scenes. Like, right. Even when I want fighting, I want it to be like Mystique and Wolverine and, and yeah. stuff like that. I don't want it to be like, you must fist fight Magneto. And like Fassbender does some good stuff at times. But one thing I've always, it has bothered me slightly, and I can overlook it because like it's such a, a fun time, but like 
the notion that like uh they want to get rogue and like yes very fun that like the the twist that they want rogue not wolverine is is hiding in plain sight the whole time well done uh but that like they want to use rogue to take magneto's powers so she can power the machine because the machine might kill him and it's like rogue taking your powers could kill you though like we've seen it especially to like hold his powers long enough to keep the machine going like that is a a slight nitpick i have but like you know who cares well you know what i i think i think that's really interesting and it reminds me of something everything you just said reminds me of a lot of things i found in some ways weird in the past but more interesting now Mm. and one xavier is very very passive and magneto is very selective and how aggressive he's willing to be. And mm-hmm. I think whether intentional or not, I think this speaks to these characters in very important ways. And one, Xavier is an assimilationist. That is his dream. Yeah. He wants full assimilation. Yeah. And in a society that is hell-bent and determined to not allow that. And that is going to make him more passive. He is going to restrict the use of his own powers right. to the detriment of yeah. the very same people he is theoretically trying to protect and, and like, that, Mato, like just playing that against him just like i know you won't kill me and i know right. that you won't allow humans to die like right and i, and I do think that it, it like who's gonna who's gonna come and kill the fucking mutants it's gonna be all these people you just saved yeah. right now and i i like that it works both ways where like magneto does not want to kill mutants no exactly Exactly. Like he could kill Wolverine anytime he fucking wants. And, he, and... you know, his vision of liberation does not involve killing a single mutant. He does not yeah. want any of them to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in many lesser movies before and since, the villains always seem to come up with stupid fucking reasons to not just kill the heroes when they have the chance. <laughs> but this yeah. is a really authentic character-based reason. Yeah, and is. we have the all-powerful, sage, wise characters that don't want to use the full extent of their abilities why one it's to artificially create drama in the movies but here Mm -hmm. there's a really genuine character-based reason for it we've made fun of how they they have to take him off the board every time but like that's a diminishing returns thing the first time you do it cool makes sense go for that do that in the script take him off the board and get away with it they get away with it the second time because of that personal relationship between striker and him yeah and then Almost every time with McAvoy, I think they don't get away with it, even though <laughs> the movie works. Like, I think, like, it just feels cheap. Yeah. But I, it, it does work here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I can't punish them for what would happen later. Like, this was yeah. the first time out. And, like, yeah, you, you have to, because other than Magneto, because he's got the helmet, he, he could stop, like, all of this. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they take him out. Rebecca Romain obviously isn't the actor that Jennifer Lawrence is, but, like, for me, her version of Mystique just... Nails it. She nails yeah. it so good i ache for what she had to go through like the, the stories of her like throwing up blue and having to stay in a, a dark room to keep the makeup and everything but like yeah the 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 physicality the uh she's obviously the the best of the three which is probably why they kept her in part yeah. but i think she ray park and tyler Maine all had a presence to them yeah that made yeah. them stand off the screen despite yeah almost yeah. the complete lack of character that any of them possess you really mystique gets one line she mm-hmm. nails the line, but it's uh, that's really that's so just they, about it. I think they put so much work into how she fights and like yes, everything yes. and and her kind of stalking Logan that like I think that tells a story like her yeah. 
her hopping over him and like cracking his back and and like doing all the flips and everything and like yeah i you know seared into my brain forever will be the moment in x2 where she slides under that door yeah it's she's just super fucking cool one of yeah. the best parts of these first two films somehow yeah. despite the odds like i mean mystique yeah. was not a character i registered at all as a kid toad was a practical joke and almost yeah. anything you see and it, like but they don't they don't shy away from the fact that he's kind of like this this creepy little guy but they, they they find ways to make him a justifiable threat like when he almost like suffocates gene to death with the fucking yeah. mucus and all that kind of stuff and and yeah like saber like mopping the floor with everyone and you know, I miss when Logan could be kind of fucked up by normal stuff. It's all of media, like, over, like, in comics yeah. and movies and everything. He has evolved to this point where, like, you know, shoot him in the fucking face and he's up in five seconds. But, like, Sabretooth knocks him out with a with a log early on and he's, like, out for, like, for a while. And it's like, yeah, cool. It, it's the same as Superman, you know? Like, he can be, like, really resistant and everything and always get up eventually. But, like, it makes for better stories if you can kind of fuck him up for a few minutes kind of thing. In this movie, when Logan says it hurts every time to take yep. the claws out, yeah, you believe iconic. Yeah. You one iconic delivery. Two, yeah. you believe it in this yeah. movie. Also uh, makes makes him look really fucking stupid when he just pops them in the jet on the way. Like in a good way. Like I like yeah. it. Like he he's a big dumb meathead in some ways. And it's yeah. like, if it hurts, why are you doing it now? But right. no, really, really good. It also reminds me of what you were just saying is the restrictions they had on the on the action scenes mm -hmm. in some ways help. I like the fight with Sabretooth and Logan on top of the on the Statue of Liberty. Mm. It's a small fight, but Logan yeah. looks fucking terrified that he's gonna fall off the Statue of fucking Liberty. Yeah. Does he ever look terrified ever again after X2? Like, of something like, oh shit, I, something bad is going to happen to me. Mm. Like, does he ever feel that terrified again? Maybe in Days of Future Past when he thinks he's gonna drown. I think that might be it. Like, some of the stuff with Gene, but like, yeah, I mean. But even that's like more emotional than like, yeah, yeah, he feels yeah. like, I'm in danger. It's just... What a better movie than we've been getting <laughs> for so long now. And I, I don't hate every Marvel movie that's come out since then, obviously. <laughs> like, even this year, I, I was really pleasantly surprised by Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Like That's why I, that's why we just did that one. Yeah, I, I figured. Yeah. Um, I figured that's what it was. I was pleasantly You know, surprised. it goes it goes endgame, and then that movie came out, and that was it. That was all yeah. the Marvel there was. It's strange. <laughs> and I think a big thing, though, really ties back to how we started this episode the MBA, no, uh, about why this movie works, <laughs> which is that the easiest way to make a good movie is hire a talented fucking director to make your movie and mm. who obviously yeah. believes in it. Like, you know, there's a difference between what Sam Raimi did with Spider-Man than he did with Doctor Strange too. But yeah. Yeah. Have, like James Gunn, for whatever else you can say about him, believes mm. in fucking, the, believed in the Guardians of the Galaxy. You can feel the emotion, the emotional investment on the screen. And like shout out to David Hayter as well. Like he he believes in the in the source material, and he and you know he he will write the second one as well. And then he is never invited back. So great decision, great decision <laughs> to have like Blade, this Spider Man. Like I know you know you're lower on it, but and like yeah, it, we did have to pay the price of like and also his Fantastic Four <laughs> and well, Ghost Rider and stuff like that. But Tim hey. Story, Tim Story is not a talented filmmaker. It's yeah. just, it's just, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, true. And I think, you know, on that note, this is going to be uh, the series finale for the Real World Podcast. Yes. We have been recording podcasts on this site for eight Six or nine years. years. And honestly, it's been a pleasure. 
it yeah, is I mean, pleasure. I mean, honestly, like we we started when I wanted a career change. I was deeply unemployed for a few months, and like this was a fun distraction at first to like you know give my days some structure and give me something to put some energy into. And it obviously got way out of hand as we. It really <laughs> did, man. It really. I, I I can't believe how many podcasts y'all have done. Yeah. Yeah, 2020 was really, really rough. That's when I needed to like take a bit of a break. When we were like, there would be like four episodes a week, most weeks, between what Kevin was doing, what Jerome was doing, what me and Ben were doing. I was writing the Matt Signal stuff, the Batman um, yeah. stuff on the weekends. Like that one was the, really rough. One of the most, one of the most <laughs> visited things we do, and one of the best series we have is the Matt Signal. Thank uh, you. <laughs> and I am actually not sad about this series finale. I think this is more of a recommitment to the original values of the site, which is that Mm. we are here when we want to be here. We are going to write things when we want to write things. Mm -hmm. We are going to make the very, very occasional podcast when we really want to make a very, very occasional podcast. I feel feel things like The Batman 2. Yes. Yeah. I think Deadpool 3 is going to happen. I think Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is too critical to Mm. the history of the website that I'm probably going to push you on that one. But like Batman 2, the Batman 2 in 2025, Mm -hmm. I can all but guarantee guarantee we're going to be here for that. Yeah, And I'm going to push you to publish any writing you do here and you're not going to do it and that's okay. And (laughs) (laughs) No, I I am going to endeavor to to (laughs) find another thing like marvel mondays is like a thing where like i'll see how it is before i commit to writing it like early on i was like yeah every episode that'll that'll really push the traffic to the site and it's like "Eh, i just can't face doing all of these i am gonna have a like ranking the episodes of what if season two coming soon you speak of the mat signal i have been in the process of setting up that as a separate website like the original everything i did on real world is still there will always be there but i want to expand it and do like superman and justice league and stuff like that that that's probably a bit too much to do all do on real world so i'm not actually finished moving stuff but like fuck it mattsignalforever.wordpress.com is where that can be found at the time this releases i should have done up to mask of the phantasm i'm making very slight edits like catching some typos fixing some stuff i'm also noticing like Hmm, I read that review and that doesn't scream like this place on the list. So I may uh, do some slight reshuffles. But yeah, I plan to take that forward. And yeah, I do want to do like other writing for the site. Something less frequent than that signal being like twice a week, every week for like two years, but like more frequent than like, ah, I guess there's a Marvel show. So I'll think of something. In terms of like podcasts, like it's been pretty fun. Like for me, like this year, like Ben and I got to interview the the writer of some comics that are like very near and dear to me. And it's kind of like, what more could I ask for out of this podcasting journey than to like get an yeah. hour with someone that I admire? And like, you know, it was really fun to talk to him. So like, yeah, really grateful for that. But yeah, like all of our shows had kind of hit a natural end. Like we did a hundred episodes of There Will Be Movies. We did the 80s, 90s, 1000s, and 2010s. We have made the lists for like the 70s and the 60s, like if we wanted to keep going, but we're like 100 is probably good. Ben is getting married next year, so he wants a break anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, those will feel like at natural end. The one that is continuing, if you are a subscriber to the Superhero Pantheon, they are retitling their podcast to From the Queue. And uh, if you are subscribed already, just stay subscribed and you will continue to get episodes. 
none of them will be on Enter the Real World uh, or anything like that. But yeah, yeah uh, do go support Jerome, Brian, and Kevin. They will be continuing to make stuff forever and ever, I feel like. <laughs> but yeah, like in terms of regular podcasts releasing through Real World, like do say stay subscribed to the main Real World feed uh, if you have been, because yeah, who knows when Mike and I, if anything, I feel like you and I are going to do more podcasts than we have in quite a long time. Yeah, uh, like one that, a year. Yeah, one a yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> One That's, two, yeah. That beats our average for the last uh, year or two. This is uh, a podcasting with you came in a, a really dark time in my life as well when it started. Mm-hmm. And um, you have been there for me in some of my darkest moments. And um, the as the old joke says, or I guess new old joke says, men start a podcast together as an excuse to talk on the phone. <laughs> and I think uh, there's a lot of truth to that. And we finally oh, got to meet this year. We did. And we, and we forgot to record a podcast, but, you know, <laughs> we went to two NBA games. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we'll be back full time in the summer, breaking down the WNBA every single fucking night. And I just, I really feel that Joel Lloyd can do it this year. You know? I, I, I picked a really good he, time to jump on the Seattle Storm after they'd been this big power. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Watching in person the Liberty lose a, fi- uh, a finals uh-huh. was really one of the most heartbreaking sports moments of my life. But mm-hmm. uh, we we live and we, we will. Live. We, we live. We endure. All right, man. Dare uh, I say it's been real. Oh, dare you say it. He lives as only King's Dare Dream. This has been Real World Podcasting. Goodbye.